It's funny you mentioned these monopolies that the post office has. They operate on these strict rules. And one of the monopolies is the box itself, right? No other commercial business can use that box. Is that right? That's right. It is um, unique to the United States. We're the only country in the world that has this aspect of the, of the Postal Service's monopoly, that you as a consumer are required to go out, go out and buy your mailbox and maintain your mailbox, um, but only the Postal Service is allowed to use it. They have a monopoly on the use of your mailbox. So um, the same thing if you have a, have a P.O. box. It's why when you buy something uh, on the Internet or, or, uh, or, or mail order through television that they say we don't ship to P.O. boxes, um, it, it means that only the, the, the Postal Service can use your mailbox or your P.O. box. And that's an aspect of the Postal Service monopoly that I, I think is appropriate to, to, to look at. And, and there's, there are other... Um, other well, that's crazy to me. I mean, I, I can't imagine, uh, and, and I've never thought about it in this this regard, but Dave and I were talking when he built his house, and when I purchased mine, and I've had to, I have actually, uh, um, I mean, how do I say nicely? I had a friend who uh, backed over their mail, their brick mailbox and yeah. knocked it down, and they had to rebuild it and put a new mailbox in. The, the post office didn't offer him a check. They didn't pay for that. But they did approve your mailbox. It says right on the front, approved by the Postmaster General Well, that's what the himself. joke made. There's a lot of people that were approved for mortgages about five years ago <laughs> that, that didn't do well with that either. I mean, so are there any other kind of these overt monopolies that I guess the public doesn't think about? Well, the, the two major aspects of the Postal Service's monopoly are the use of the mailbox that you, that you described well and, and the first-class mail monopoly. Letters, yeah. So, so that even if, if one of the delivery companies were in a position where it could offer to deliver first-class letters at a competitive rate to the Postal Service, uh, you know, to the 44-cent stamp, um, it's prohibited from, by law, by federal law, from, from doing so and required to charge uh, tw- more than twice as much as the Postal Service for that same product. So, so those are the two aspects of the, of the monopoly that Congress gave the Postal Service. And in return for that monopoly, it's given what's called the universal service obligation, which is it has to serve every 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 um, everybody in the, in the United States, every delivery point, every household and, and, and business and small business. Um, and and right now that's that's six day a week delivery, including Saturdays. And and the terms of that universal service, the terms, the fundamental terms that allow that government monopoly, are are very much on the table right now. Wow. That's really interesting. We just so, and that's actually, I was going to say, I know we're about to go into a break, Don, but that's actually, I was reading one of their largest sources of profitability is that first-class mail, right? Which has gone down precipitously over the last few years as the advent of the Internet and email and all. It's, the revenue is going down because it, of that. Here's something for your listeners to think about over the break. You might not like when you go down to your mailbox at the end of the driveway and it's full of junk mail, but think about the fact that every time you go out and buy a 44-cent stamp, you're subsidizing that advertising mail that you get in your mailbox. Ooh. Wow, that's a good point. Kay, can you stick with us uh, to the news break? Thanks. Right. Yeah. You know, we want to talk about maybe some of the solutions and suggestions yeah, you'd have and, to. And I've got some ideas. Um, you know, I told I told our listeners before we brought Don on that we're going to solve all the postal problems. Today, and, and right here. Right here with Don. We're going to come up with a solution. When it comes to the things in the mailbox that matter, I think it's the birthday card to the kids, the the Christmas letter that you know, my wife used to send out to everybody, but now emails. It does have more meaning. You're right. If you get get a happy birthday email, you just like, oh, there wasn't much thought. But you get a handwritten letter. You're right. It has a, I don't know, though, that. 
I mean, it's worth billions it, of dollars of deficits. That's right. <laughs> so that's my point. If it was that important to send out, would you pay the extra couple sure, bucks? Sure, absolutely. And put it in a great little, you know, a uh, UPS envelope and send it three days. Sure, exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm saying? When, when the Postal Service started giving discounts for periodicals, and, and you know, when, when it would be newspapers and magazines, it was in the name of, of a more informed electorate. The reality, though, is that most of that discount is going to catalog retailers. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't I don't get it, I guess, at the end of the journey. Um, well, they've requested, though, an increase, haven't they? And they're being denied because it can't go above inflation or whatever, the rate of inflation. or. Okay. In 2006, Congress said that you can't raise the price of a stamp faster than the, the rate of inflation, which was a different conversation in, in, in 2006. So the Postal Service actually sued its regulator for the right to to raise the, the price of stamps. And, and honestly, the price of stamps in the United States is, 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 a, is a pretty good bargain compared to, to Canada and the rest of, of the industrialized world. Sure. I mean, it seems like why not double it? Wouldn't that fix the problem? Or the real problem, as you said, was isn't it the, <coughs> excuse me, these 85% of these postal workers that are under collective bargaining agreements? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, the, uh, yeah. there are, I mean a, that's a huge problem, right? Well, um, it, it, or, it I is. mean, that's the, what's causing these massive deficits or proje- projected deficits, I should say. There, well, there's also there are more post offices in the United States than there are Starbucks, WalMarts, and uh, McDonald's combined. See, and you can always find a McDonald's. I'm saying, <laughs> you know what? Maybe that's Don. I think you solved it. <laughs> Maybe we put a box and a worker in every McDonald's. Well, why not? No, but that's an excellent point. Because it's why, kids that, no, that listen, care about the letters. Post that, box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but a McBox. You you. <laughs> You make a uh, all joking aside. No, you make an excellent point, though, Don. Why couldn't they uh, streamline operations and put them in other places, business places, instead of having a, a, a freestanding structure that's Tons only of dedicated businesses to would s- love the traffic? Yeah, why wouldn't they do more of that? And they do tend to be pretty prime pieces of real estate that just about everybody in town always knows where it is. Yeah, I bet that. But, so these are interesting. Yeah, but they thoughts. could streamline. What are so before we wrap it up here? What are some ideas or what are some things or uh, that you would suggest as far as immediately in fixing this problem? Well, um, on the one hand, you do have this, this massive infrastructure, and, and that if there are ways to, to leverage the postal retail network, either for other government functions that, peop, that rely on, on interaction directly with the consumer, maybe you could go to the post office and get your, your driver's license or your parking permit or your fishing permit or whatever the case may be. Mm. I think that there's a, a lot to explore in terms of what the Postal Service as a government entity could offer other government entities. Because they have so many locations, that's a good idea. Maybe streamline and uh, consolidate and provide additional services at those locations. Best practices in, in American government are to, to look for innovative ways to streamline the interaction that people have with government, and the Postal Service might be well-situated to help. Well, yeah, you can already get your passport there. It seems like they could just add a lot of those additional services uh, you know, in one location. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, the Postal Service Management has looked at doing what some other national posts have done, which is to get into new areas like like banking and financial services, and that scares the daylights out of me. Oh, please yeah, no. no. Please no. <laughs> I'm in banking. <laughs> uh, don't we have don't we have enough government and banking right now? The postal yeah. service could could lose an awful lot of money if it got into an area that it doesn't have yeah. have that sort of a background. In. Okay, and I'm I'm an overtly liberal guy, but I got to be honest. I mean, yeah, that's what makes the show good. I'm very conservative. He's yeah. a little more liberal than me. But so. but wait, how do you say at the end of the journey? Hey guys, you lost five billion. Um, congratulations, you're a bank. <laughs> <laughs> well, well in, I guess that does qualify you now, right? <laughs> in, in China and Korea. Um, the post office is the only bank an awful lot of consumers have ever known. Wow. Really? 
Mm-hmm. And, and that sure makes sense to the empire-building instinct that federal you know, officials and bureaucrats tend, tend to have, and the Postal Service is no exception. Interesting, Don. Uh, so, Don, how do people learn more about your work at the Lexington Institute? Uh, sure. Well, LexingtonInstitute.org and a related organization that we have that's PostalConsumers.org. We publish the Postal Freedom Index that compares the United States to other postal services around the, around the world. And uh, I, I, I'm thrilled for your enthusiasm, and hopefully your, your listeners are finding this an inversa- interesting conversation and would like to come and, and uh, find out more.